From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled The Unfailing Watch. The text is Psalm 121 and verse 4. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Jehovah is the keeper of Israel. No form of unconsciousness ever steals over him, neither the deeper slumber nor the slighter sleep. He never fails to watch the house and the heart of his people. This is a sufficient reason for our resting in perfect peace. Alexander said that he slept because his friend Parmenio watched. Much more may we sleep because our God is our guard. Behold, is here set up to call our attention to the cheering truth. Israel, when he had a stone for his pillow, fell asleep. But his God was awake and came in vision to his servant. When we lie defenseless, Jehovah himself will cover our head. The Lord keeps his people as a rich man keeps his treasure, as a captain keeps a city with a garrison, as a sentry keeps watch over his sovereign. None can harm those who are in such keeping. Let me put my soul into his dear hands. He never forgets us, never ceases actively to care for us, never finds himself unable to preserve us. O my Lord, keep me, lest I wander and fall and perish. Keep me, that I may keep thy commandments. By thine unslumbering care, prevent my sleeping like the sluggard, and perishing like those who sleep the sleep of death. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, Make me your choice. And I enter the haven of rest. 
One of the most precious gifts God has given to mankind is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. For those in the English-speaking world, the ability to own a copy of God's Word is taken for granted. Indeed, many of us possess multiple copies of the Bible. Yet, this was not always the case. There was a time when attempts to translate the Bible into the language of the common people were met with persecution and even death. Men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale were hunted like outlaws simply because they labored to give God's word to people in the language they could understand. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available a booklet that briefly traces the history of those efforts. Entitled, How We Got Our English Bible, this short publication tells the story of the development of the authorized version of the Scriptures as we know it, including the enormous impact of the invention of printing upon the spreading of God's Word. Published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, this booklet is free to all who request it. Simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of How We Got Our English Bible, and we'll be happy to provide it.
On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns continues to focus on the theme, Jesus Christ, Man's Only Point of Contact with God, taking as his text chapter 11 of Matthew's Gospel. Although the context is Christ's encouragement of John the Baptist, the focus is upon Jesus as the true Messiah, the one who has fulfilled no fewer than 48 Old Testament prophecies regarding his coming. As Dr. Cairns will emphasize, John led up to the kingdom, Christ established it. He is the message the prophets proclaimed. Yet in the face of this, the Pharisees criticized Jesus because he was the friend of sinners. Although the Pharisees were diligent students of the Old Testament, they were merely playing at religion. Only by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit can sinners be made acceptable in the sight of God. Now Dr. Cairns returns to the theme of Jesus Christ, man's only point of contact with God. We may condemn the Pharisees for many things, but at least they read their Bibles. And they studied their Bibles. And they didn't make vain excuses that they were too busy, or that they uh, didn't have the brains, or they didn't have this, or they didn't have that. They read their Bibles, and they spent time in the reading of their Bibles, and in the study of their Bibles, they gave themselves constantly to the study of God's Word. So whatever we say about those Pharisees, let's remember there's some things in which they could judge many of us. Some of you have been saved for 30 years, and you've never read the Bible through once. You talk about the Pharisees? Yeah, they had their faults. But they knew the Bible. But here's the thing. These sanctimonious Pharisees and and Jews with Bibles in their hand and in their mind criticized Jesus Christ on the very account of fulfilling the things that the Old Testament prophesied as the marks of the Messiah. Jesus says, go and tell John. And he says, what to tell him about? The blind receiving their sight, the lame lame walking, the lepers being cleansed, the deaf hearing, the dead being raised up, the poor having the gospel preached unto them. He's getting down to every level of society and in fulfillment of the scriptures that said what the Messiah would do. He did it. And all he got from these sanctimonious hypocrites among the Jews was criticism. Why? Because you're the friend of sinners. You're the friend of sinners. You know, it didn't matter what anybody would do. These hypocrites were going to find fault anyway. Notice the parable Jesus told. He said, where will I... Unto will I like in this generation. And then he, he says it's like the children sitting in the marketplaces. Now, this is a, a sight that they would have seen many times. People, two groups, musicians, and for want of a better word, we'll call them dancers. And they were hired for funerals, and they were hired for marriages. Maybe for other things as well. And while those piped, the others in lamentation were to beat their breasts and mourn. And at other times when those piped, the others would dance. These are the two groups. 
But as very often happens, especially among the artistic, let me get a wee slap in at all you musicians and thespians, etc. Be piped and you didn't smite your breasts. Next time we piped and you didn't dance. Jesus says, that reminds me of you people. John the Baptist came, and you say to him, John, you're not very sociable. You don't eat and drink, that is, with other people. You're not very sociable. The Son of Man comes along, and you say to him, you are sociable. You eat and drink, but you're just a a wine-bibber, a glutton. But most of all, you're a friend of sinners. You mix with the wrong crowd. You run with the wrong people. You have time for people that we won't take under our notice. Let me tell you what they meant as criticism is the greatest thing you can say about Christ. He's the friend of sinners. This man, they said in criticism, Luke chapter 15, receiveth sinners. Jesus wore it as a badge of honor. And far from backing off from these lying hypocrites, he stood up and he said in Luke 15, in reality, yes, I do receive sinners. And he still does. The old hymn writer put it well when he said, None but Jesus, none but Jesus can do guilty sinners good. That's a message we should never lose. These Pharisees, you see, that Jesus was uh, condemning here, they were like the players in the marketplace in more ways than one. They were simply playing at religion. As I said, they read their Bible, but they were still playing at religion. And I don't think I'm going too far afield when I say, if we are of their ilk, either living in bitterness, or if we are of their ilk, that we're taking in all that the Bible says, but we have no heart for sinners. If we are not willing to be the friend of sinners, we're only playing at religion. That's the point that the Savior's making here. He is the friend of sinners. And he does do guilty sinners good. All that God has to say to sinners, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, he says in Christ. All that God has to give to sinners, Romans eight thirty two, it's in Christ. All that God will ever do for sinners, is in Christ. It's Christ who's the power of God. It's Christ who's the wisdom of God. It's Christ who has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and repentance. He is the friend of sinners, the only way back to God. That's the great truth that the Savior is establishing here in this passage of Scripture and demonstrating as he shows himself the friend of sinners. The truth in verse 20 through 24 of Christ, the only means of communion and communication between God and man, is despised. 
And here we see Christ as the judge of the impenitent. Now, these are big, big, big verses that I'm only going to take a moment to look at. He began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Why? Because they repented not. Can you stop and let this sink in for a minute? We tend to think about sinners. Many a time we've even said this. You know, what, what would it take to bring them to their senses? And we think if there's a death in the family, or if there's a great tragedy or great sickness or whatever, people will start to think differently. There was a great deal of talk after the twin towers were knocked down by the terrorists that there was going to be revival in America. But there's been no revival. You stop and think of this. The Son of God himself visited these towns. The Son of God himself took up his residence in Capernaum. And in these cities, he did most of his mighty works. Now remember, he has just talked about these works. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame to walk. He cleansed leprosy with a word. He gave hearing to deaf ears. He raised the dead. And he brought hope to the poor. Now that's what he did. They sought. They thronged him. And they witnessed these things. And yet these very people did not repent. What will it take to bring sinners to Christ? The miracle of regenerating grace. That's what it will take. Preaching to sinners is absolutely necessary. Preaching with the love of Christ to sinners is absolutely necessary. Reaching out to sinners with the love of Christ is absolutely necessary. But all oh, let us understand this, that as we go forth, we need God to do a miracle by the power of the Holy Ghost, because all the preaching in the world will never convert a sinner. And even all the miracle working in the world will never convert a sinner. We're going to need to see the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that gives a great deal of freedom to uh, those who are going to witness. Many a time you go out to witness and the devil will tell you, don't you witness because you don't know enough Bible. You could be tripped up. Or maybe you'll say the wrong thing. Or maybe you'll come over wrong or whatever. But this is to liberate you. You'll not say all the right things. You'll not do all the right things. You'll not have all the right answers. But so what? So what? The power to save souls is not in the genius of the witness. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit quickening the heart. And he is pleased to use the word that we preach and use the word that we bear witness to in personal testimony to men and women. So this is to set Christians free, to depend upon the Lord. And as I keep reminding myself when I come to the pulpit, and I don't say this facetiously, 
I do this constantly. I keep reminding myself, and I hope you'll not take it as an insult if I remind you, that the God who could use a donkey to get his message across can use you, can use me. That gives us confidence. We're not depending on our ability. We're depending on our God and on the power of the Holy Spirit. So these people didn't repent when the Lord Jesus did all his mighty works. So what did he do? He showed that aspect of his authority as mediator that made him the judge. And he said to these people, first of all, I know your hearts. How does he say that? He says, look, Tyre and Sidon were bad. Sodom and Gomorrah were bad. But their sin is not as great as yours. He could see, understand, evaluate the sins of the hearts of men. And he's still the same this morning. You know, we're all tending to be very self-righteous. That's not a particular criticism of you or me. That's simply a remark that's true of all humanity. It's in human nature as fallen to be self-righteous. And we all like to tell ourselves that we're not as bad as other people. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other thing. And it's very easy just to say what I'm not without understanding what I am in the sight of God. Now, Tyre and Sidon were heathen cities. But Jesus said they would have repented had they had what you have. Then he comes to Sodom. Now you're getting to the dregs. Sodom stands for the very vilest in human perversion. Sodom was not just a sinful city. Sodom was a city given over to perversion, to homosexuality, to the vilest filthiness publicly displayed. And so much so they couldn't even blush. That's Sodom. But Jesus looks at Capernaum. Do you know what the main building in Capernaum was? Do you know what the center of life in Capernaum was? Its remains are standing to this day. It was the synagogue. The place of worship. The reading of the Bible. The singing of psalms, the saying of prayers. Jesus says to that city, you're viler than Sodom ever was. Now that's not to excuse the sodomy of the sodomites. Remember, they were in hell for their sin when Jesus said this. It wasn't excusing them. But it is to say, the judge of all the earth will not judge man's judgment. He will not judge by man's prejudices. He will judge by his own divine standard and by his 
own intuitive and omniscient insight into the true state of hearts. You've received great light. You've received great privilege. You've received the gospel. You've heard it. But he says you haven't repented. And I judge you for it. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 